Heavenly Father, we want to hear from your son Jesus this morning, the spirit of Jesus. We want to hear him. We want to experience him. We thank you for that opportunity so far. Uh, You've saved us. You've given us hope. You've healed us. You've strengthened our bodies. You've given us hope for a future that no eye has seen nor ear hath heard. Not only our future glory in heaven, but even what you're doing in our families and through our friendships. We want that kind of hope and the joy that accompanies it. Please continue to speak to us this morning on a winter morning in Sacramento. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, reach out and say, hey, are you warm enough? Are you warm enough? Is it warm enough in here? Is it? Is it warm enough in here? Ah, so nice to have Lauren and Rochelle this morning. Thanks, you guys, for leading us. Honored to have you. Thank you. Hey, folks, this morning, I am so pleased to introduce you to a new friend, a new friend. How many of you have Germany family roots? Anybody got Germany family roots or friends? So this morning, we have a 30-something, 30-year-old uniquely gifted leader who five years ago, he and his wife went to Dresden and Leipzig. They started working at a Starbucks coffee, hoping that Jesus would use them to reach for Jesus Christ, a city of 600,000 that had a zero percentile of Christians living in it. And now, five years later, they're, they're seeing 350 Zero, formerly zero percenters, come and worship Jesus Christ on Sunday mornings. I want you to meet him. I want you to hear him. I want the spirit of Jesus to use him this morning. I want to introduce his right-hand guy, Steve. Steve, would you raise your hand? Steve's helping. He's his assistant, his CFO. Would you please welcome our brother from Germany, Rene Wagner. When I first came to ICF in 2015, I didn't know a single person. I hardly knew anyone in Leipzig at all. I had left all of my friends and family behind in Texas. On that first Sunday, I was so nervous because everything was going to be in German, and my German wasn't very good at the time. But I went anyway, and I even joined a small group. As time went on, that small group became like a family to me. I met people who have become some of my closest friends, including my current roommate, Diana. Two and a half years later, people still ask me if I miss my friends and family back home. Of course I say yes, but I also say that Leipzig has become a second home for me, and ICF has become my family here in Germany. favorite things about this church is how many people come and discover their purpose here. So many people wander in every week, lost or searching, and they don't know they're about to find what they've been looking for all along, hope and purpose in Jesus. For me, this isn't just a church where people can come and feel good about themselves. This is a community where people can discover their eternal purpose and walk in their God-given potential. 
Almost two years ago, we had a sermon series called Pray and Wonder. It was based on the book The Circle Maker, and it honestly changed my life. I began to see the power of prayer in a new light. I was so stirred up that a few months later, my roommate and I started a small group about prayer that we led for the next year. Renee often says that we're living in the harvest of prayers of the generations before us. We are reaping what they have sown. And now is our chance to plant seeds for the generations to come. May they reap an even bigger harvest. Das Beste liegt noch vor uns. The best is yet to come. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you doing? Are you good? You know, if I'm preaching in Germany, everybody's very silent because we think a lot and we reflect a lot if what the person is saying is right. So I'm happy to preach in America where people can react. So you can help me with at least nodding. But why? So not. And if, if you like what I'm saying, you can scream, preach it, white boy, or something like that. That helps me a lot, okay? Are you into that? I know it's, it's early morning, okay? And you are the real Christians because you come to an early morning service. So when I started the church with my wife, um, we can, I can show you a picture here. That's my beautiful wife. We're both pastors. And this was my kids, yes? This is my little son. It's Luan. He's... 10 months now, and my little daughter, it's Lena, and uh, she just turned three. So um, when we started that church, I told my wife, we are not having a morning service. <laughs> my, my biggest enemies are mornings and winters. So, this, so we arrived in L.A. on Friday night, and we got out of the plane and I was wondering, it's freezing cold right now here. So I wanted to flee the German winter, and now I'm in a California winter. But you don't know what winter is. This is, this is actually very warm for us. So, um, yeah, um, thanks, Scott. Where are you? Scott, thank you very much. And your wife, Melissa, right? Yes. Melissa, thank you so much for inviting me and trusting me so much. We just had one little FaceTime, and you invite me to preach here. Thank you so much. Um, like Scott said, we planted um, one church five years ago. So this is our Christmas experience uh, last December in Leipzig. This is our church in Leipzig. And the second picture, this is our church in Dresden that we just started one year ago. And like um, Scott said, it's a very interesting area that we are planting or planted that church in. It's um, the old communist part of Germany. I don't know how much you know about German history. Um, after World War II, Germany got divided into four parts. We had the American part. This is the moment where you say, yay, America. <laughs> okay, we try it again. The American part. Yeah. Ah, here we go. There's Americans. I heard you're proud. You're proud to be American. So just be, <laughs> Okay. Now, maybe it's more the Texan guys, like, yeehaw. Okay, I don't know. Okay, it's an it's American part. Then we had the British part. We had the French part. And then we had the Russians. That's the moment we say, oh. oh yeah, don't, don't go into that. Okay, and um, the, the French, the British, and 
the um, Americans said, okay, we work together, we have one Germany, that's West Germany. But the Russians, like always, said, no, we don't want to work together with you guys. We have an experiment. We built up the GDR, German Democratic, I don't know till today why it was democratic, there was nothing democratic in it, a German Democratic Republic. And we built a wall around the German Democratic Republic so nobody can go out or in. That was the communist part and the birth of East Germany. That was after World War II. 1989, everything fell apart because one politician said something in one meeting while the TV networks were in that meeting and... This guy didn't know what he said in that moment, but he said everybody can go now wherever they want. You're free to choose where to go. The East Germans took him by the word and they broke down the wall and went over to West Germany. So everything was finished. So this is quickly and shortly the history. Leipzig and Dresden are the biggest cities in East Germany, in a former communist part of uh, Germany. And it took, I'm always saying our church, it took one generation, so the generations of my parents, to break down every religion that have ever built up in that area. You need to know, East Germany had usually had the most evangelical churches in the country. They were sending out from, I don't know if somebody heard maybe of Zinzendorf, one of the biggest um, revival preachers 300 years ago in East Germany. They sent it out from that place, the most missionaries from Europe to all over the world ever. So that was East Germany, one of the most believing areas. And it took one generation to break everything. I'm always telling our church, I'm praying and believing for one generation, standing up again, raising their voice for Jesus. So this is what we do in Leipzig and Dresden. And we're building right now a multi-site church with two sites. We'll have another site coming up in the next year, hopefully. In Halle, it's close to our uh, uh, main campus in Leipzig. And... We hope to see more and more, as you can see, young people um, turn back to Jesus. So, today, I want to uh, read a scripture to you from Matthew eleven nineteen, and then I'm going to pray and dive into it. Okay? Are you with me? So, Matthew eleven nineteen, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are here and that you are God of the nations. Jesus, I pray that you open our hearts now and that you speak what you want to speak. Amen. Amen. So, I grew up in West Germany. 
And I didn't grow up Christian. So Germany, from atheism side, is a little bit beyond America. And we're here with a friend, Sean. Thank you very much for introducing us to Scott. And he explained to me that there is a trend also happening in the U.S. More and more people don't believe in God and don't go to churches. That started even 10 to 20 years earlier in Germany. So I didn't grow up typical Christian. So I, I went to church, a Lutheran church, in our little village with 700 people. Half of the village is my family, and the other half wants to be my family. And uh, so I, I, I went to church two times a year for Easter and Christmas, like you do, because your grandma and your granda, uh, grandpa are singing in the choir. So sitting in a bench, listen on. And uh, so this was my experience of church, sitting in a bench, listening to a weird guy um, saying some weird stuff I don't understand, I don't want to listen to because I was an ADD kid. I wanted to play. I wanted to run. I don't want to listen to some old people talking or singing. And uh, so I was a very, very active troublemaker kid. Are there troublemaker kids too? You were a troublemaker? Oh, nobody wants to say that in church, huh? <laughs> I was the real troublemaker. So um, that I was in different, you know, sport is happening in Germany in clubs, so I was in different sports clubs, and they threw me out because I didn't want to do what the leaders told me and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad now, and I know today how it feels to have kids. So my parents always picked me up and got a list of things that I've done wrong. So I don't know if you have kids. Nobody wants, wants that. You want to pick up your kids and everybody's like, they're the best kids in the world. How have you done that? Give me a list, a book or whatever. I want my kids to be like that. But I wasn't a kid like that. My parents got always a book that they should read, <laughs> how to educate their kids, and how to train them to behave right. Um, when I was nine years old, my cousin, who just became a Christian, he was leading a kids' group in a church on Friday nights. And he invited me, he's 10 years older than me, and he invited me to come along said, hey, Renee, we're playing soccer and we're doing stuff and we're singing some songs and listen to small stories. He knew I didn't want to hear the stories. Um, so just come along and um, I will introduce you to some other kids. So I went with him and there was that one leader. He was in his 20s and he just got married. And he immediately fell in love with me. I don't know why, but he loved me. And he always took me on his lap, put his arms very tight around me. It was kind of a I love you hug and please be quiet right now hug. Um, <laughs> but full of love. <laughs> and he did that from that day on every Friday and every camp that I went with that group. I went in Spring and uh, summer and autumn, I went on camps with them. And he was my hero. You know why? Because he loved me. It was the first group in my life that didn't throw me out. I was just accepted 
who I am. And I was wondering when I, was, when I got older why my parents allowed me to go there because they, they were not interested in church. But now I understand. All the time they picked me up and asked, how was it with Renee? They said, he's awesome. We love your son. He's, he's active and wild, but he's going to be a leader one day. I was the same kid in that group like I was in other groups. I did bad stuff. I went to the girls' rooms, at the camps, and all the stuff you better don't do. But the difference to the other groups were I got my punishment. So I had to clean the bathrooms. I had to clean more dishes like everyone on that campground have ever been. And... Uh, I got all of that, but the relationship I experienced changed. That was the first moment in my life, grace. And I read that verse in the beginning where it said that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They call him a drunkard. He was with the people that nobody liked. He was with the people that were the troublemaker kids. He was with people that were drinking. He even let this one prostitute sit at his feet and wash his feet with her tears and dry his feet with her hair. You know... I read, I read a scripture, another scripture. John 3.16. You mostly know that scripture. I will also read the verse 17. And I, I want you to listen carefully about the, the verses. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only, one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's a couple of times world in there. I got teached from pastors to not love the world. You might heard that thing. Here the Bible says, for this is how God loved the world. God loves the world. He loves the people in the world. He loves you and me. And he loves the people out there in Sacramento. He loves the people. Jesus never ever loved the sin in the world. But he loves the people. The people like you and me. So I heard that you are a church that wants to reach the city. That was, that was what Scott told me. He said, you are a church that loves the city and wants to see people from the city start believing in Jesus Christ. Are you really ready for the city? Are you ready for the people that are out there in that city? I don't know you and I don't know the church very well here. 
I just had one meeting with Scott, but I could feel Scott's heart. And if Scott's heart is just a little in that church, then you're a loving church. But I ask our church and myself all the time, am I really ready to love? Because as, a, as Christians, we quickly pray prayers, but we don't think about what we're praying. If we pray, God sent the city to our church. We want to see that city in our church. Do you know who might come to that church? Weird people showing up in that church. Skinny jeans wearing tattooed trucker. <laughs> Jackets wearing guys. Are you prepared? Out there is a couple of people say, Jesus so loved the Christians. Jesus so loved the church that he gave his only son. Jesus, there's, there's not much verses where Jesus is sitting in the temple. In, in Leipzig and in Dresden, we always say we want to be where the people are. I have another picture for you of the coffee shop that we started the church in. It's an old coffee shop. We have a bar in that coffee shop. There is a piano in the back, a little stage in front. And it was, I always said we make armpit worship because everybody was standing in the armpit of, the, of their neighbor. It was very, very, very tight. And in summer, it was very hot in there. We called it our little sauna. So we sweat out all the sin out of us. <laughs> and it was a very, very nice experience because that coffee shop was in, a, in an area where a lot of different people live. And there was one story, one Sunday, I was standing on, on stage like that, and I was, I was preaching, and while I was preaching, in the midst of my preaching, there was two Russian workers that came in. And you could smell they had a couple of vodkas before they stepped into our church. They listened, there was some music happening, and they saw we had a bar. So in that coffee shop, uh, you could also buy beer, but I don't tell you that now. Um, <laughs> We don't tell, we don't speak about beer in church, okay? Um, but it is an evening service. So they, they <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting trouble later, sorry. Um, it's, so they, they came in, went straight to the bar, uh, got two beers, and stand at the bar while I was preaching. And after they had their beer, one of that Russian guys started having a phone call like, crazy loud in Russian while I was preaching. And you know, there's just 60 people sitting very close together. It's a small coffee shop. So everybody could hear him talking in Russian on his phone while I was preaching in front. So after his, he stopped his phone call, they left the church. And everybody was looking at me like, Renee, what are you saying about that now? What are these sinners doing in our church? Drinking beer, smelling like a bar? And having very loud Russian phone calls. <laughs> Must have been his wife. He had a fight. But maybe it's just Russian. Um, so, it, And everybody was looking at me sitting here in that coffee shop and looking, what, what, what are you doing with that now, pastor? And I looked at the church and said, like, church, you know, this is how I want church. I pray now that this is not the last people that step in our church and confuse us. And that, that don't know what we are doing. 
that don't respect my preaching in the first time. And that just stand there, listen to the music, listen to the words that we have, and experience a different atmosphere. I don't know if you ever heard that song, that worship song from Elevation Worship. They, it, it's, the first lyrics are, the atmosphere is changing now. We want to be a church in the city that is changing an atmosphere before we change minds. We expect people that are not Christians to live Christian. We expect people that are drinking, if we come as Christians, that they hide their beer bottles. We started our church in a living room. That's the moment, Dan. Here we go. <laughs> that was our first meetings in our living room, a small little living room in our flat. And during the week, we had a man and a women's small group. So the man's small group went to the bar, and uh, the women's small group, I don't know what they've done. Um, but we went to the bar, and I always said, we don't want to have small groups in our, in our home, in our living room. We want to have small groups where the people are. So we went to that bar, had a couple of Cokes and maybe a beer, and um, then we were sitting there and we had some conversations and we discussed about some Bible verses and what you do as Christians in your small group, and at the end we prayed together. And while we were praying, the waiter came. He stepped into our prayer. How can he do that? He should have seen that we're praying, right? But he stepped into it and he looked at us and I, does anybody want something? And uh, the whole small group looked at me. Again, that pastor, what are we doing now face? <laughs> so I looked at them. Does anybody want something? <laughs> the waiter left. And then I looked at, uh, at the boys. I said, hey guys, what are you expecting from me now? Telling the waiter, you, why are you interrupting our prayers? This is not the Christian way of life. You're not allowed to interrupt me while I'm praying. I'm the pastor here. He doesn't know what we're doing. He's a, an atheist. He doesn't know. He, he, he maybe thought, why are they all looking and closing that? But I love praying with the people in, in a bar. Because if you're in a bar, you, you pray like who you are. You're not that guy standing there, oh, Jesus, come now! Because your boss or your neighbor could be at the next table. They prayed really authentic and real prayers from their heart. I love that moments when we are, as a church, are where the city is. And I don't know how that works in America. I'm not American, I'm German. Some have German roots, I saw, but you're the Americans, and you know where your people are. You know where your friends are. You know where your neighbors go. And you know your work colleagues. Do you love them? Uh, or are you that Christian who's talking behind their backs like, oh, that drunkard, he was drunken last week. Oh, did you hear he's homosexual? Or are you the person 
who's loving them, like Jesus loved the sinners. He was the fr a friend of sinners. He's not a friend of sin. Don't get me wrong. I've never said that. He's the friend of sinners. And the, if we are all honest, that's good for us, that he's the friend of sinners, right? The problem is we Christians can, can get very arrogant quickly. We are better. My kids group leader always taught me, Renee, we are not better. We have it better because we have grace. So if I am looking down on people who do something bad, I am arrogant. I'm saying I'm better. That makes me feel better. But I'm a sinner like other people on that planet. We are not a church for perfect people. We are a church for imperfect people. I'm always explaining every Sunday, and you can put up the four symbols. No, the four symbols, thank you. I'm explaining every Sunday with that four symbols. And um, what was the worship leader's name, Lauren? Lauren? Lauren, you can come up and play the piano a little bit. Like having some Pentecostal noises in the back. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit flow. I'm always sounding better with a piano in the back. And it feels like people listening to me better with a piano. <laughs> oh, here we go. One second, wait. Oh, here we go. I'm sounding better, right? So every Sunday I explain that to the church and the people that are showing up in our church. Uh, God is love. God is love. And you and me are created and called to love. You're, you, are, you might be asking what I am called to. Calling. This is what you do. A calling is something deeper. Our calling is love. You are called to love God, yourself, and that's sometimes the hardest part, and to love others. This is our calling in that world. You're called to love, and love changes. Love can change everything. The problem, and this is the detour sign, the problem is you and me, I, I start by, with me, I start with me. I can't love all the time. It starts in my family. People are married here? Married people? Married people? Oh, there's a couple of married people. I, I don't love my wife all the time. Or I do things not out of love to my kids or my family. This is like if, if our calling is love, I take the detour and I drive somewhere else. And you might heard that word sin. This is sin. You can take every sin. Every sin is rooted in not love yourself, others, or God. Sin is not loving. That's it. You ask yourself what sin is? Sin is not loving. This is taking the detour, missing the goal. But God, but God, all the time, you 
don't love, death is coming into this world. Death is coming into your life. War and death is coming from not loving yourself, God, or each other. But God came to this world, became a human being called Jesus Christ, and he showed us how to really love. And he went to the cross. He went to the cross. He, he died on the cross. And it's, it's the worst death you can imagine is dying on that cross. And he died that death that we bring without detours in that world. The death that I had to die. The death that you have to die. The death that you bring into this world, into your family. Jesus carried on that one cross. The moment they nailed his hands. The moment he took the last breath. The moment he carried all the death from not loving. And you and I think we're better. You and I think we're better than that city out there. You're not. And I am not. We're just forgiven. But I don't stop with the cross. The cross has no power without the anchor. I love anchors. Anchors are beautiful. I have one anchor here. I have one anchor here and there. I love anchors. You know why? Anchor is a symbol of hope. And if hope comes, everything changes. Without hope, there's only death. Hope changes everything. If you don't have hope, depression comes. I grew up under a depressive mom. Symbol of hope. I didn't have hope to live. The anchor is a symbol of hope. And it's a symbol that Jesus Christ for eternal life and the center of our calling to love. So if you need love for yourself, others, or maybe God, maybe you know love that we need. If you have that one boss or that calling at work that you can't love, you need Jesus. You need Jesus today. Maybe you have marriage problems. And we all know, if you're married, we all know marriage is not always easy. You need Jesus. My wife and me, we are very strong people. We can fight. And not usual for Germans, we fight loud. We fight loud sometimes. The unchristian way. You know, the only way I can humble myself and say sorry to my wife is when I leave the room, pray God, do something to my wife now. And he says, no, I do something to you. No, do something to my wife. I am right. I need that love from God for my wife. Maybe you have troublemaker kids. Remember, there's that, there was that one day when that weird pastor from Germany showed up. There's hope. 
You need love. And in that anchor, there is love. In that anchor called Jesus, there is love. I invite you to close your eyes. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody's looking around. It's a private moment in that public moment right now. I ask you today, did you met that Jesus Christ? Did you ever met that love for you? Maybe you gave your life to Jesus years ago. Maybe you grew up Christian. But you're here today and you say, Renee, I walked away. I turned my back to Jesus. Or you're here and you've heard about that Jesus, but you never knew what to do and how to meet him. I asked you today, do you really want to get to know Jesus, the real Jesus, the love Jesus? If you want to get to know Jesus this morning, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed. I'm the only one who's looking around. I invite you to raise your hand now. I want to pray with you. You want to meet Jesus. Yes, thank you. That's amazing. That's amazing. Is there somebody else? Church, I want to invite you to pray with me with that eight people that say yes this morning. I want that Jesus. I just pray a prayer and you can pray with me. And maybe you can all pray loud with me to help these eight people to go this life-changing step. Jesus, I thank you that you are here today. I give you my life. I give you everything that I am and that I have come into my life. I can't do it on my own. I'm a sinner and I need you. I want to follow you. Amen. Amen.